peace, namaste, and shalom. Everybody out there in dreamland, I am the beyond top secret Texan. Join me on my podcast, the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast, where I explore the outer limits of human abilities, top secret military technologies, the reality of extraterrestrial Earth alliances, secret space wars, advanced cryptozoology, subjects of theosophic truth, esotericism, and the occult. Beyond the Top Secret Texan Podcast. Greetings, everybody out there in dreamland. I'm the Beyond Top Secret Texan, you are listening to the Beyond Top Secret Texan Podcast. Welcome, each and every one of you. Long-time listeners, new-time listeners, thank you. Thank you all, sincerely, from the bottom of my heart. Feel free to check out the archives of past episodes, previously recorded episodes. They are they are available for free on the podcast directories where the, you know, anywhere the podcast is available. Check out the library of over 100 episodes in the podcast or uh, you know, the YouTube channel or library and Odyssey, my video channels, uh, archiving all my past videos, video essays, etc. Um, I will put a link in the description of this podcast episode as well as edit the other, the part one, to also include the YouTube video originally made over a year ago, almost, uh, Almost two years, actually, uh, about the Native American secret space program that I had uh, theorized and you know concluded after collecting evidence and researching and, and you know then gathering my memories and experiences of Solar Ward and everything. So it was a multiple-year project to actually formalize this uh, Maya Aztec uh, Hollow Earth regression as is the entire Solar Warden regression, you know, experience that is happening here, the recovery of memories and pursuit of the Akashic Records, channeling of, of the spiritual, uh, spiritual, you know, ascended masters that had previously contacted me in my life, as well as the entire idea of the incarnation scale and everything, that this is a multiple-year-long uh, project's culmination, what you're hearing here in these past episodes, so... Definitely, if you're curious of any of the topics that I'm referring or any of the subjects that I'm speaking about, uh, or curious about any of the other topics that I do speak about, like, you know, not particularly in this episode or specific to these episodes, which, um, you know, you got, I know how everything works. You read the title, you know what the subject is about, and then, you know, the episode explains that subject. You know, you can tell a book by its cover that way, but also I encourage listening to the entire archive uh, in order or um, you know however it's easiest to you, but the entire archive contains really relevant information and the, you know, quicker you guys uh, 
catch up if you're new listeners out there you know uh, the the easier of a time you'll have I also encourage uh, you know things like reddit or uh, wikia creation to help out other uh, members or something like that if you know that you are having an issue maybe others are as well um, you know this is your community and, and these are your uh, you know, these episodes really are for your education information this is why I'm doing it it's the motivation really for the whole channel and the project and the creation of this stuff is to bring this information forward so that people can rightfully hear it people need and have the right to know and this is affect literally they are living right above these situations or right below them the realities are all around them. They are living in bubbles and matrices caused by hypnosis. And, and you know, like I've, like I've uh, stated before in other videos, in other podcasts, I mean, uh, other recordings, that, that we are not the majority with this phenomenal, supernatural, paranormal, like, conspiracy world being the minority, being in the shadows... We are in the shadow of the conspiracy. We are the minority. We are the uh, the bubble, the pocket dimension, the little the little island world of the happy natives that live in complete ignorance. Even though we've already been created in the image to not know, we we have had the entire world around us built up specifically by these forces, these factors, which we are ignorant towards, these powers and principalities, these spiritual realities, these multidimensional realities, and that we exist as the minority. We exist as the creature in the cage. We exist as the creature in the uh, zoo, in the exhibit, and all these... Uh, forces that, that really control every single aspect of our reality, they do so simply to gaze at us in a seemingly natural and primitive existence. That is a form of, you know, um, of, of, of universal intelligence that the, uh, ultimate power is to try to create a power that uh, goes undetected and in the world while being artificial is a perfect simulacra of the natural um, but yes now going into that I highly encourage everyone to check out previous episodes that you know I, I speak upon these subjects many times but the reason why is because currently uh, I am rustling some feathers up there in the uh, top brass, the full birds, uh, you know, captains and colonels up there. Uh, must be paying special attention because the part one of this episode about the Hollow Earth, Aztec, Maya, um, incursions and conflicts, and I guess state of culture. And, uh, it, was a, it was a multi-angled approach to discussing and introducing the Maya Aztec again, 
like I said previously, the video that I made was over a year old now. Currently, I think it's closer to two years after this uh, after this uh, winter break. Uh, you know, closer than it is further away from two years. That uh, you know, I spoke about the uh, kingdoms of the stars and under the stones, you know, the star and stone kingdoms of the wingmakers and of this my Aztec breakaway civilization. And the reality was that they were not conquered, they were not exterminated, their way of life was not destroyed by the Catholics. They were fully aware of the enormous riches in the Hollow Earth Kingdom. And they existed in a philosophical awareness and brilliance, as well as a technological state, that they didn't need to expose themselves to um, uh, the negative influences of the Europeans or the, or the Eastern world, as they saw it, and uh, decided to simply retreat in mass down to the common peasant you know, and and leave only those who they selected to stay as inheritors of this fringe colony, but as an empire, they weren't it in the state of slavery or fear or terror that the Aztecs normally are presented as, like keeping the span the, the Mesoamericans like they were, you know, in a state of pure terror. And, and control and enslave, like slavery. Like, I don't know if you watched Apocalypto. Like, they would just randomly take people and then kill them <laughs> for, their, for their sun god. That is not how it really was. They weren't savages. Uh, they were uh, rather enlightened and modern people. They were Atlantean heirs and pretty pure. So they were more attached to, like, the ancient Greeks. Like, they had cities that were larger and had better infrastructure like running water and they had literally like a higher standard of living and less starvation and very little like sickness um and then very little crime um and you know the people who were being sacrificed were were criminals in many ways or like they tried to make it out where they were like a war uh mongering raiding party like they couldn't they couldn't survive without this massive bloodlust and that's seemingly propaganda against the Aztecs. So once that's uh, looked past and, and seen through, like, how would they else, like, they, how, like, you know, it, it's not, exactly. Like, once you start rewriting history and, and starting writing it the right way, you know, like, start seeing it for what it was, like, it's not humanly, that's not human nature. It's, it's not humanly possible for a civilization to get that large and be that villainous and so you see, uh, the reality was they simply were masters of the environment and were able to ascend either into the higher altitudes or basically you realize that we don't have a mastery even now of the Amazon jungle or the Amazon River or uh, the, the, you know, Inca Andes plateaus and like... <laughs> exactly, like, it, it's a very very obvious whitewashing of the reality that is South America is fucking huge. <laughs> exactly. They could easily have just walked further into the jungle and there was nothing you can do to stop them nor get them back. Exactly. Like where do they go? Oh, they just went up the river. Well, fuck it. 
<laughs> it's like, well, fuck it. It's like, as long as they don't live on the beach, we're fine. <laughs> it's like, like they're, like, they're still in Mexico, is what I'm trying to say. The Aztec Maya are still just hanging out. Like, yeah, they're not, the majority is not on the, the surface, but they have contacts and outposts and entrances and exits, and they were, they have air vehicles, aircraft, they have, now at this point, is like, they have computers, they are a modern civilization they are just completely independent and separate from the modern world in a sense that they don't have anything to do with our system and if they encounter us it's a hostile encounter before this most recent treaty that was signed and i'm speaking up until about 2020 that this uh peace was even a factor or an option, because it was whenever they encountered the quote-unquote modern man, the, the the Earth Alliance man, or the the Western man, typically one or two things happened, is that they either, uh, you know, hid, and then they would retreat, and there would be no way of ascertaining, like, you know, they would literally just, you know, fast walk immediately away, or there would be a fight, and a, and a fight to the death, so that there would literally be no witnesses or uh, more questions than there are answers. You know, like uh, a classic example, and most people have been told the truth, but told it in the wrong way. Predator. Predator, as a situation, as a movie, and disclosure is not about reptilians. It's not about extraterrestrials. The situation that inspired Predator was about an Amazonian, uh, a, a Aztec Mayan warrior who took out a, not only a drug uh, base, but also um, CIA teams, uh, the, the, the U.S. Special Forces, um, you know, and everyone who was sent into that, that jungle specific, with foreknowledge that, that this uh, Maya Aztec hunting or raiding situation was the reality. They See what I'm saying? Like, so the powers to be, right? Your intelligence agencies, your Earth Alliance controllers, your Illuminati in that sense, your military top brass, they know full well this is fucking happening. They know full well, and what they they don't know the details of it. So they were sending in special forces just to be guinea pigs, just to be bait, just to see what skill level and what our technology could do. And for the most part, one of the Aztec warriors could kill entire platoons of special forces, level like Navy SEALs, Green Berets, Delta Forces, Black Berets, Yellow Fruit... Uh, many nations, you have FARC, you got the Venezuelans, you got the uh, Colombians, uh, you know, special forces, you got the Brazilians, the Argentinians, you got European, various commando, mercenary corps, South Africans, various African, African platoons, like you got, you know, just your different African nations of Zimbabwe, Tanzania, Angola, Congo, all of them were sent to these jungles. I have Figures and reports of upwards of 2,000 special jungle fighting specialists who were, who were mercenaries being sent up the Amazon River and only two 
returning alive. I do not have the actual brief, but that is in WikiLeaks. What was up there, and, and by that I mean down the Amazon River, Maya Aztec warriors and a kingdom and a society that was still existing on the surface. With advanced technology, with these unmatchable by modern man martial skills, such as the ability to literally exist in the jungle invisibly, surviving off rainwater and eating like frogs and like it, it surviving in a psychological strength of ego and confidence that not even the hardest uh, most disciplined most experienced uh, special forces uh, veteran or mercenary in the western world can compare to and, and that's not a, a uh, you know, to say that these special forces are uh, weak. It's to say that the Aztec Mayan are incredibly strong. And that, to repeat, if anyone has listened to the first part of the episode, when I spoke about remembering Killing 2, as they uh, attacked in a cloaked form when we got there as smoke jumpers. Remember, that was the combination of both the exoskeleton and the fact that of genetic engineering and the fact of the of battle computers that were literally implanted into my brain. That is the memories of the Solar Warden Earth Alliance level of, of difference, you know, exactly, that you don't really receive on the Earth. So when you're thinking that the Predator, those guys were just badasses in the 80s, you know, yeah, our, our most badass badasses, but they were just guys. They were just regular humans, peak physical shape, athletes with the greatest gear, but, you know, um, I think the scene with Jesse Ventura is the best one, because it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you have, if you get shot first from behind with a plasma bolt, and it, it just it cauterized the rune and knocked his heart out of his chest. It, it does exactly like it doesn't matter how many push-ups you can do. If I shoot you with a fucking laser gun that bores out the core of your body, that incinerates you. And as spoken before, they have lances that shoot a concentrated um, crystal originating energy, which is a technology I have experienced in the Astra High Command. Crystals have a lot of potential. Lasers use crystals, for example, and the the reason behind it is because they act on an electron level. Exactly. They, they, they multiply the energy. It's I'm not a fucking able to explain this really. Exactly. I'm not a really a, a good physician, uh, a physics major or anything, but I know that crystals shoot fucking lasers. <laughs> Alright? And so... They, they, these fucking spearheads, these obsidian spearheads, you know, they can cut through anything. It's, it's, they can cut a horse's head in half off with one swing. It's not a matter of, um, ego at this point. They are incredibly skilled warriors. They are incredibly dangerous. No, no common man is going to be able. Like that's why the West hasn't sent armies to try to dislodge them. And I said before they have sent what they can send 
and at the same time know that if they send any more, then the cat's out of the bag, and we cannot exist in a society where we are at war with an indigenous people who are superior in both in quality of life, technology, population, um, standard of living, um, you know, um, abilities as, as well. As, it would be a disaster, so they are kept secret. At the same time, there has been an escalation on these shadow warfare fronts using Solar Warden, using advanced technology, specifically aircraft, specifically bombing raids, long-range missile attacks, uh, chemical warfare, biological attacks, uh, direct energy attacks, etc. They have been, for the most part, found through the mapping of the jungle from the sky, from space, and from orbit. So we control these, the, the sky and the space at this point. They're fighters, they're their flying pyramids, their um, their ships generally do not fly or have access out of the Earth's orbit or even in higher orbit anymore. Since the 1980s, they have been splashed down as bogeys in any... Uh, any exactly, the hostilities are that strong between Maya Aztec and Solar Warden or Earth Alliance forces, uh, specifically because of the Atlantis Rising delegation being sacrificed... <laughs> and a blood sacrifice uh, upon first contact as they... So that's a long story, which, you know, the details may be best for their own episode, but basically the Atlantis Rising Council, they sent delegates and diplomats into a part of South America specifically to meet and and meet the envoys of the Maya Aztec. This was around the 1940s. This was around the 1940s, late 1940s, after World War II. Uh, so basically, be- 40s before the 50s. Deep part of uh, South America in a, in a undisclosed location, the Atlantis Rising diplomats went, and I'm assuming Brazil. I'm assuming, uh, uh, I actually have my, my theory on exactly where it was and how it went. But what I've been told and allowed to understand is that the Atlantis Rising sent delegates and diplomats in complete um, I don't want to say naivete but they were already treated as expendable And, and you realize this in a lot in a western politics but they were captured and sacrificed by Maya Aztec priests and nobles to their gods. Um, And this was considered a high honor by the Maya Aztec. This might be a culture clash. This might be breakdown of communication. The point, this might have been completely intentional as a show of force upon rejection of the Atlantis. Point is, it was a terrible first encounter when it comes to um, history because it's setting forth nearly 70 years of constant co- uh, conflict and hostilities and the deaths of hundreds of thousands of Maya Aztec civilians, warriors, and um, thousands of Earth Alliance uh, 
you know, frontier figures and the scientific organizations of the of the of the government, such as in the, um, you know, more civilian aspects, as because they're the ones who are most vulnerable. You know, it's not really the thousands of the military clones that from the Earth Alliance or Solar Warden, or uh, ICC or you know even Dark Fleet that have been sent down there, um, but the civilian population as they are attacked, as they are raided, the fate of theirs is the same as the fate of all prisoners of war in the Maya Aztec culture. Ritualistic human sacrifice to the gods. And that is 100% who we got to kind of feel for. Because it started with that, and that has been the ultimate approach, that the sacrifice of... uh, you know, human beings one way or the other um, has been unceasing since the very first sacrifice uh, that took place, you know, both in history, but both, but specifically in the, the Maya-Aztec uh, relationship with the Atlantis Rising Earth Alliance. It's very complicated. It's a Pentagon-type structure in uh, Earth Alliance, remember? So it's interchangeable terms for for the closest of allies, but the Maya Aztec being the rival human power on Earth that is independent, that is rogue, that is ultimately rejecting most of the uh, cooperations, or at least extended peace offers and dealings with the Atlantis Rising, uh, being the the historically cited as the active hostiles, the ones that are specifically uh, seeking war and conflict. Historically, the Solar Warden has been the one doing more devastation, attacking more, uh, preventing them from escaping Earth's orbit, uh, attacking any ships and destroying any ships that do, regardless of the passengers or the cargo, uh, recovering lost craft, uh, of theirs across that were uh, destroyed, not returning them or returning any of the personnel, uh, sending in raiding parties uh, into the hollow earth, exploring and then uh, seeking to control, uh, you know, the hollow earth and direct theft, I guess you would call it, in their eyes of their own territory, like just complete conquering, um, uh, you know, lands of the Maya Aztec, and then. Not only that, but providing technologically deadly threats in, in asymmetrical warfare, such as biological, biological weapons, radiological warfare, uh, direct energy warfare, collapsing entire tunnels, except like the war against the environment, as well as uh, war against the civilian populations of the Maya Aztec, um, intentionally, intentionally, uh, without without any mercy, without any. Um, without any uh, hesitation. Thus is the paradox. And this is the reason when I try to speak in the first episode about this on the third hour, I was electronically targeted and harassed. I don't know if I've said that yet in this episode, but the third episode the, the first episode the had 3 hours and the third hour was corrupted and, and deleted from the very software itself 
uh, in front of my eyes as, you know, it glitched that had a corruption error for reading and recording and then it was unable to be retrieved, unable to be played, unable to be transferred or saved. Basically, it was lost, right? It was the entire recording is still there. It's just unretrievable. <coughs> as good as gone, basically. This was exactly at the moment a plane flew over my house. And as I've gone on before, the reason why I said watch a lot of the old episodes is because I am being targeted and electronically harassed. Um, and so you never know when certain videos may be deleted or, or the entire channel itself. Um, at least when it comes to YouTube. Luckily, I have different archives and backups for all of my videos, but at the same time, you know, it's just one of those things that it's very possible, it's very uh, evident that it is happening and will keep happening in the future. That was very frustrating. At the same time, um, the universe is all, you know, around us, it is all a thing. It's all a living, ambient field of uh, sacred, divine... Uh, awareness and is in itself regenerating and, and seeking kind of a, this whole path and patience breeds experience and experience breeds you know kindness and it brings you closer to source closer to the creator closer to God because ultimately it is a, a battling against God. God's making you stronger. So I can't let the frustrations of being attacked, you know, by these powers to be being harassed and having the material, the gains lost, um, you know, defeat me because that's exactly what the whole situation is, right? You can't let the fact that you have an enemy defeat you when the whole point is you're going to beat the enemy and the enemy doesn't want you to know the truth, and if you're telling the truth, they're going to try to take the truth and then hide it and delete it and, you know, prevent you, you know, if you ha write it down, they're going to burn the paper. If you if you tell someone, they're going to try to listen in on it. Exactly. Like, you know that's going to happen. You're ready for it. You want that. That proves it's working. This episode is the part two of that part one. This episode is the stuff I was saying on that third episode as well as a little bit more uh, that first episode was released uh, October 5th so if you want to go back in the archives it is the uh, History of the Mayan Aztec uh, conflict episode first two hours uh, with the last half or last third deleted by the uh, the evil powers to be the Illuminati Corp um, but yeah, the American, the United States Incorporated, ever since the Rockefeller episode, they've, they've been hitting the, uh, hitting the, uh, podcast, you know, double time with electronic harassment. I'm hearing a plane flying over now. They fly, uh, uh, P3s over the house, which are, which have enough electronic jamming to affect submarines on the bottom of the ocean. They'll fly like a hundred feet over the house. And it's like, I am not a submarine. <laughs> it's like, I am not a submarine. You, you don't need this overkill. But at the same time, maybe. <laughs> I 
I like to think that I am more electronically resistant than a Typhoon-class submarine. <laughs> than a Typhoon-class submarine. Exactly. Maybe I do need an entire P3 squadron for myself. That's your taxpayer money at work there. He's like, that's your taxpayer money at work. And so, yes. Moving on. Um, we are now entering a stage, and it's it's very strange to kind of speak about this because, um, like I said, it got that... It's It was such a serious moment, and not, like, you know, when I was recording and it deleted and everything, now you just gotta laugh at it. You know, exactly. You just gotta... That's what I said. Patience breeds experience. Experience breeds kindness. And that's the whole thing is time heals all. And, and eventually you just got to laugh about things. Because it's like the, you, you, you learn that is a uh, healthy growth pattern and everything. As well as Teotl. A Teotlized heart. Living with Teotl. It's an Aztec Mayan philosophy where setback, suffering, etc. is well understood as universal. But if you want your life to flower and to be filled with song, then you have to accept the fact that we are all God, and God is everything sacred and working with itself, all polarities. It's non-dual God. It's, it's a complete pantheism, and that's exactly what the Maya Aztec generally believe. Uh, we know this because we we have recovered prisoners. We have recovered a lot of information from them, despite the fact that their civilization is very far away from ours in terms of um, communication and and uh, you know allowance of information flow. They don't allow tourists, you know, for example. They don't teach us their knowledge. It's all learned through reliquary. It's all learned through their antiques and through their language and uh, the recovered materials, which were not destroyed, but have been kept top secret, specifically because their philosophy is so powerful. The philosophy that they use and their pantheon and gods um, would completely obsolete the need and necessity for a lot of the Abrahamic religions. Because it's completely Atlantean. And that's the thing. We don't imagine these Maya Aztecs as purely Mexican. Don't, don't think of them purely as a Mesoamerican or, um, you know, a specific ethnicity or specific environment. They originated in Atlantis and moved southward into the, the lands that they would then create pyramids on. They have more to do with ancient Egypt. They have more to do with ancient Atlantis, ancient Ireland, uh, the Norse, ancient Hebrews, than they do with, uh, you know, uh, hunter-gatherers, or um, they do with um, any primitive, like pre-industrial people like nomadic or, or, or village or jungle like you know foragers they were extremely extremely intelligent I don't I, I think it's weird to have to kind of emphasize this to people I guess listening if you've ever seen an Aztec pyramid <laughs> you would know 
they were much smarter than the average American. <laughs> like, these motherfuckers could build shit that you would have no... They had lines with the sun. Like, when the sun sets one day a year, it makes it look like a snake. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> no one builds with that in mind. That is a lot of what's to do with calculations and mathematics. Like I said, their, their mathematics was superior to the modern mathematics of the majority of the United States population. We use math to do business. They used math to calculate time thousands of years in advance. They had a firm understanding of long-term existence on this planet. Um, they were calculating the movements of constellations and stars, not just for the seasons to plant corn, but they were learning how to get, how to go there, how to travel to different, like we have done. And then like, exactly. So it's not alien to assume that everything that we have currently, they have also acquired and already understood and have mastered like the 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 ways of philosophy and, and understanding ontology medicine for example um, they don't have primitive medicine we don't have superior medicine to them they are larger they are stronger they are faster they have uh, naturally more intelligent people than we do because they have better nutrition because they live off jungle fruits and things and they like have a lot more exercise and cleaner air because of the the relationship to trees um like you said they don't have the the weaknesses of a western society and and the only thing that western society likes to always repeat is immunity like oh we had so many diseases that we had immunities to diseases and they didn't that's why 75 million of them died and that's complete bullshit like i said they didn't they just left they didn't want to deal with the people who had that many diseases like i said like you have to understand that that was what they were thinking that it's easier for and and better for 75 million of their citizens to go underground than to deal with the people who lived with syphilis like like on the reg like like every day Everybody just had syphilis because no one watched their fucking junk and just fucked all the time and gross, muddy, bro, exactly like dirty condition. I don't know. I can't even imagine how gross Europe was. As I'm saying, like you think that they wanted to talk to you? No, they did. They you guys stunk. They smelled you coming over the ocean, and they were like, "We gotta get the fuck out of here." You just fucking leave, leave some gold bowls and necklaces and shit, and they'll be happy. And they'll think they figured it out. Exactly. They just left without having to trade any of the secrets of the constellation of the stars. And for like a hundred or for 400 years, sorry, they had complete reign and power over the world. And they're like that. They, they were going more inner earth. They had um, successful negotiations and relationships with the reptilians, the real reptilians that were native to earth, much like the... Dark Fleet and Notwaffen would later have. The technology that they would use was mostly intelligence, for, or, or extraterrestrial intelligence, EI, um, not AI. So they didn't need to, you know, um, have these, these mechanical, rigid societies. They didn't have to have 
a computerized world. They had a world of extraterrestrial intelligence. They had uh, astral powers, psychic powers. Believe it or not, the the average um, high-ranking noble elite my Aztec is a psychic and can move objects with their mind. They that's how they assembled the pyramids through yogic practices, much like the Vedantas and much like the Indian rulers of the of the Far East and the the Shangri-La rulers of Tibet, the the old uh, Chinese emperors, the Dragon Line, these Atlantean legacy societies are psychic. Thus, they don't have to have things like thousands of fucking tractors or cranes in a city. They don't have to have things like workforces of construction workers in the hundreds of thousands, you know, to, to do anything like build a road. They can just assemble the materials with their minds. And this is done through... Um, like uh, infusions of heavy and precious metals, um, which is why it explains things in their culture, like why the rulers are covered in gold dust, which is very strange. That we think it's op in our culture it would be considered opulent and like hedonistic. In their culture, it's how they it can amplify their psychic powers to better protect, like like literally create rain seasons for their crops through their orgone and we think it's because they have sex parties no it's because of the orgone energy that they're they're channeling which is higher level uh, psychic re- that's an EI extraterrestrial intelligence inherited skill sets and they were able to like interlive with and coexist with Orion Draco reptilians. They were able to coexist with other ultra terrestrials like shapeshifters and shit like the the big Batman. Like yes, there are there are like bat humanoids that live in um, the the Hollow Earth, which if they built good relationships with them, actually are incredibly useful allies because they can fly and they can see in the dark. <coughs> like I mean. This is some this is some real weird shit I know. But at the same time, it is extremely what they said about it's like it's just what they talked about. It's just literal fundamental Aztec Mayan mythology. They went to Shibulba. Shibulba was the land of the dead, which was basically a place with a lot of what we would call demons, but what they would call ultra terrestrials and, and other subterranean humanoids. Like like the Batmen, who are like humanoid bats. Giant man-sized bats. They fly around, and they're smart, and they can speak in their own society down there. They were able to form relationships with them through their courage, through their um, strength. And it was like, you know, um, these are not weak people. These are not, these are not people who are held at the mercy of of reality, these are the people who hold reality at their mercy, you know, that's what I'm saying, like, even, even their nobility, they were, there's no chink in their armor when you look at their society, because, you know, um, in most societies, you would think, oh, there's some kind of weak link to it, um, but these are people who had the courage and the skill and technology to successfully conquer the hollow earth. 
and their territory is on the scale of a hundred times as large as that of the surface available land in these same environments. Just to give you a reference, so all our populations possible, again, the known world, they said the greater Earth is much larger because they have access to it. They don't, they don't hide that from themselves. We only have the lands that we're hiding on from the rest of the world. We don't let anyone off the island Earth, basically. They, allow, they allowed themselves to live and survive on the greater Earth. They have access to exotic materials. They have access to exotic um, um, flora and fauna. Um, like I said, it's easier to have a society that's based on coexistence and utilizing all of nature and living in, in coexistence with nature because they understand nature to be God uh, and they don't worship AI. They, 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 they have their own, uh, you know, intelligence that's equal to computers generally on, on, in every family, just as, you know, every single Aztec Mayan is as smart as, um, you know, a supercomputer basically when it comes to knowledge of plants and animals and minerals, etc. And thus their societies are able to flourish and evolve while keeping traditional, while keeping the, the love of their identity and their culture. And while we have the upper hand and superior hand in space and in uh, the orbits of the Earth because of extraterrestrials and because of, um, you know, our own culture, that is one piece of the puzzle. Like I said, they have a stronger and more dominating presence in the hollow Earth. They have far larger territories in the hollow Earth. They have a far larger population, seemingly, in the hollow Earth. And uh, around greater Earth continents, they have um, individually uh, supremacy in a large number of scientific, or what we would call scientific disciplines, uh, such as anti-gravity, etc. And, um, you know, direct energy weaponry, the, the, the weaponry they have is, is phenomenal. What we have is um, not bad. It's, a, it's 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 an equal, equal uh, human faction, and so that can that cannot be stressed enough. Now let's go back into um, continuing the first episode with the remembrances and channeling of the events of encountering the Mayan Aztec in conflict. That was 2009, age of 22. Getting myself back into the moment of it. And when we come back, we will uh, begin again. The three pyramids have been... crashed into the landscape, the hollow earth, the cavern. They have been scattered. Their last attempt was to form a tighter perimeter, but they have about a spacing of several miles in between them, forming a very crude isosceles triangle pattern. The... 
conflict is not over yet, but it's halfway, and within the hour that occurred. So these three pyramids were, were brought down by a combined um, swarming of anti-aircraft interceptors, drones, um, you know, uh, very powerful uh, missiles, electronic attacks, direct energy attacks from the four nuclear-powered aircraft carriers and their accompanying um, uh, squadrons of the Earth Alliance, Solar Warden uh, uh, level, as well as the um, contingent of local mercenaries and allies of South American nations, Colombia, Venezuela, Brazil, and Guyana. Those that had survived the bombardment over the horizon from the responding, counterattacking uh, Mayan pyramids of the sun. Where there were hundreds of casualties. as well as almost a dozen C-130s and Ospreys taken out during that attack. On the ground, the smoke jumpers who were there to set up a perimeter for the first firebase and field airport, the airfield that was to be uh, set up, that beachhead uh, attempt was, you know, Attacked, two were lost at that point. Smoke jumpers responded to the uh, to the situation. Were able to defend themselves, myself included, slaying many of the Jaguar warriors who had attacked us. But then needing to return to the Solar Warden uh, provided nuclear-powered aircraft carriers, and in doing so, reverting to a aviation warfare focus and participating in the hour-long air battle between the two equally matched forces. The Maya Aztec air forces, or at least aircraft, as we witnessed them, were mostly gliders of the Eagle War variety. And they had an ornithoptic motion to it that it resembled a bird's wing in flight. So if you can imagine that, the Aztec Mayan interceptors are single pilot uh, fighter variety of craft, the platform that they 
presented, not the only one that they that they had or that I would see, but during this this incident that they presented that responded to our attack, engaged in a lot of dogfights slash um, um, attempts to 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 attack us on theirs, like uh, uh, bombing patrols within this hour that were fought off and intercepted by our craft appeared to be. made of stone and jewels but their wings moved in a fluid biological bird like motion Uh, the beating of a wing in flight the extending, curving and catching of the air with feathers and feather like extensions that acted like the ailerons and the flaps of a jet's wing. And they were capable of flight like a hummingbird. Able to go forwards, backwards, vertical, uh, ascent and descent, as well as rearward on a dime, at a moment's notice. Anti-gravity being obviously the source for their ability to move without inertia and zero-g, putting them on parity with um, extraterrestrial or Earth Alliance fighters. Their shielding, personal shielding, was plasma-based, evidently, but not suited for kinetic energy solid solid matter uh, projectiles their weaponry was entirely directed energy save for a very serious kinetic energy lance like a sabo uh that would be fired against our nuclear-powered aircraft carriers at an extreme amount of range. Like I said, most of this battle is happening over the horizon. Where the shaft, or, or a metal copper shaft, a brass shaft of, uh, like a spear shaft, would melt and be launched in a tube of um, obsidian. So when the tube would make contact and break, the copper, and this is all within, you know, one, one thousandth of a second, the copper would be melted and shot forward into the aircraft that would be hit. Much like an anti-tank round, a, uh, a heat round, which fires a uh, shell with the same designation purpose, which has allowed the, the copper is to melt and then uh, melt into the uh, armor itself, the armor being hit, the targeted. This, you know, is, is incredibly effective as an anti-aircraft weapon.
But ultimately, within the hour, all three pyramids of the sun that had responded as a counterattacking element were brought down, crashing itself into the, uh, the surface of the cavernous landscape in quite destructive form. When recovered, that's when another or subsequent second half of the conflict began against the Aztec Mayan ground forces as well as their uh, crews of these ships. And in many ways against the pyramids themselves, which were as much of a weapon against those trying to seize them And defensively, with booby traps, with uh, their own accompanying defensive measures, and in many ways, this is where the real the real battle begins. That will be the second hour after we return from a brief break. I hope you guys enjoy the musical intermissions the that, that proceed and then uh, continue throughout the show as well as close it off. Um, I thank you guys all for listening. You guys got a lot of guts for sticking out these long form um, uh, testimonies and treatises of the hollow earth and of the extraterrestrial, you know, exopolitics of this world. You guys are an incredible audience out there in Dreamland. Um, so thank you all very much once again. I know most of you already have, but for anyone out there who may need to still uh, do so or, or want to know more uh, on how to, uh, you know, reach me, how to get notifications for new episodes, how to get. Uh, extra content, video evidence, etc. Check out the uh, social media for Beyond Top Secret Texan. You got Instagram, you got uh, TikTok, you got um, both at Beyond Top Secret Texan. Um, even Twitter, but that's just a mirror for whenever I upload or update. So check out that if you are more inclined for the Twitter platform. But typically, my flagship social media is Instagram. Um, posting a lot of video evidence on TikTok. Now, for long-form videos, videos that, you know, are longer than 10 minutes uh, over a variety of genres, check out the YouTube channel, YouTube slash, or YouTube.com slash C slash Beyond Top Secret Texan, or just at Beyond Top Secret Texan in the search bar of your YouTube uh, page, and that'll bring up my channel, uh, hundreds of videos, I believe it's 400 videos on there, so if you like to binge watch or deep dive into rabbit holes, or to uh, check out, you know, historic content uh, that I've made, different phases of the channel, etc., check out the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C slash Beyond Top Secret Texan, and um, if you don't like YouTube, if that's not your thing, check out the alternatives in library slash odyssey, odyssey.com, uh, 
Beyond Top Secret Texan will bring you to my channel. Um, complete archive of videos from the YouTube. Uh, would definitely rec uh, recommend those two channels if you are looking for an alternative to YouTube. Uh, highly competitive field currently. These alternatives to mainstream media, etc. YouTube being one of the mainstreams. Library, if you're a cellular user, if you're a mobile user. Odyssey.com, if you're a browser user or a laptop user. Um, you know, great, uncensored, crypto-based, uh, creator-friendly alternatives to YouTube. Love those two. Go to them. Uh, check it out. Subscribe. Give my video some likes. Uh, definitely would appreciate growing growth on those channels as well. So thank you. Also, we got a Telegram group going on. Telegram, uh, that's the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I know 70 million people joined Telegram uh, this past week. Uh, wherever you're listening to this, this is the week of the uh, Facebook shutdown and all that. So if you are one of the 70 million people to join Telegram, I, I would recommend you checking out the Beyond Te Top Secret Texan Telegram group. It is uncensored, media sharing, truth sharing, uh, great discussion, very, very, very awesome crew there. So check out the Telegram Beyond Top Secret Texan Telegram. Thank you very much. Yes, we begin again. All right, so the recovery operations that occurred or that began once the uh, three pyramids of the sun crashed in after the air battle. They were located in a semi-mountainous range of, of the cavern. It was rocky jungle deep gorges, steep walls narrow little trails and valleys to get to, almost impassable by vehicle except for motorbike or bicycle The men were airlifted in the Ospreys and in the C-130s left or available. Flown out to the crash sites. At first, it was assumed that the crash sites would be inactive that survivors would be devastated from the crash. This is how violent the crash sites were. As the pyramids resembled asteroids or comets buried into the earth. Now we know that the pyramids, once upon inspection, once we actually were close enough, the pyramids suffered very little damage. The only things being lost was their ability to power their actual engines for flight. Ground troops and air were uh, immediately met with fire. Immediately met with resistance. The, the 
transports in the air were immediately met with fire. Many of them lost before they could even deploy a single person from these South American mercenary troops. The lucky survivors were able to encounter the I guess you call it now fully motivated Jaguar troopers on the ground as well as the surviving Eagle Warriors and the very nimble, very small and excellent and low altitude um, jungle situations against ground personnel the same as a silent high speed high maneuverability attack helicopter in terms of suppression and destruction of ground forces. This necessitated the immediate air support of the Solar Warden Earth Alliance level craft and at which time the initial plan was to was try to seize all three crash sites immediately in the desperate rush to retrieve any survivors, specifically pilots, specifically line officers of the occupants so that we could, you know, interrogate them and acquire any knowledge. So for, say, for example, uh, acquiring a living engineer would allow us to interrogate them for the technical, you know, specifications or basically to season the high value uh, survivor. You know, that was that was available. Um, as well as to acquire any technology and rescue it from its own wreckage, uh, being able to be saved from fire or, you know, whatever. Point is, the, the resistance that was met was unexpected, but, you know, understandable once we calculated, and by we, I mean the actual contingency, the actual forces itself. The, the captain of the actual squadron and expedition, the commandant, um, that hierarchy and chain of command structure in the, ro- the form of the royal we once the once the solar warden forces once the forces that I was on the side of the we you know element of it the spirit core <laughs> the spirit core you know it's like once once the uh, once the element of solar warden was able to calculate that the ships themselves were large enough to basically serve as barracks to serve as uh, hangars to serve as engineering bays um, and that the 
pyramid itself must have been a type of mobile, um, you know, transport or mobile uh, fortress, a flying fortress, if we were filled with enough personnel. And that was its true, uh, truest intent was to bring forward these personnel to transport them, much like our transport craft. Um, you know, bring forward our troops. In fact, the, the similarities and the analogous purpose of them was not lost on us this, this early on. And this is within a matter of minutes to hours that the situation went from the, the first attack or the first contact to now, um, a desperate rush to to uh, keep the momentum and to suppress these now active uh, bees nests, these wasps nests of um, <laughs> on on equal footing, you know, on the ground, basically um, not superior um, uh, foes, but. Um, incredibly serious threats. So, as the mercenaries were making ground, as we were providing air cover, as we were providing uh, the air superiority, the situation was divided amongst each pyramid being separate. This was against the, now in hindsight, better thinking because, and while it was the only option ultimately available, it allowed two of the pyramids to form a, or enough time to form a greater defense and uh, prepare uh, longer as well allow them to communicate between each other, you know, and, and to, get, to gather intel on both our tactics and operations, thus making it subsequently harder. And as the situation occurred, you know, I don't want to give away the, the forward events of it, but upon the seizing of each the situation was made that much more serious, that much more lethal, and that much more um, costly in terms of uh, manpower and and equipment. And, um, you know, and it was absolutely... Uh, the only option available was, it's, it's you know, the, the lesser of two evils, uh, because if the other way we would have actually maybe lost a majority of the ground forces and thus lost the ability to seize any single, you know, um, uh, enemy technology, the, the enemy platform, uh, the enemy aircraft. The entrances into it, or at least the, the, the closer we got, the better we understood the magnitude of um, the situation with the resistance including armored vehicles on the Maya Aztec side. These were gigantic um, armored um, troop transports and they could operate on any terrain, they had three wheels, but the wheels were designed like acorns, and they were like screws, and they basically used the screws 
for traction. But the way they were assembled allowed them to operate on a rocky terrain like the side of a mountain or in open fields. It basically, it jungles didn't matter because the, the, the wheels were so large uh, specifically to crush down vegetation and they could roll so even if they did flip or uh, tumble or um, you know, slip they were basically able to catch one another and it was this like weird triangle uh, big wheel formation I don't know if you guys ever seen a big wheel it's got two little wheels and a big wheel and and it's like everyone's kind of like kept over the two little wheels but everyone exactly the troop transport was kept in the back in this like chariot type uh, like design where it's the two two uh, you know power wheels and this guiding wheel that was this much much larger wheel but when I say wheel I mean these acorns that are like shaped like drills right so you have your two side facing ones and your one forward facing one and these were able to literally drill over and and, and corkscrew over uh, impassable terrain from our tracked vehicles and our wheeled vehicles that we had brought now, the interiors of the actual pyramids of the sun themselves were large enough that you could operate vehicles in. So, for scale, imagine that. That it was large enough that you could actually traverse a lot of these galleries and these engineer bays and these... these um, larger platforms like the lower platforms at the base with a wheeled vehicle and it would be like driving in the interior of an aircraft hangar um, or, or inside a stadium um, the number of rooms was in the hundreds Everything from large galleries that would serve as maybe mass gathering areas um, to to uh, engineering bays that had equipment, machinery um, crucial to the the actual uh, running of the ship itself, uh, hangars for the uh, the fighters that had been deployed. Uh, Earlier in the engagements, that still were staffed with the with the the occupate the the crews, and uh, and some of the unlaunched uh, ships, the the barracks which had you know obviously been deployed to defend to to start uh, the defensive procedures. Every single hallway was was armed and manned uh, with defenses, uh, everything from. Um, explosives to chemical uh, releases uh, and just good old fashioned fucking uh, you know uh, impaling <laughs> fucking uh, spears and in like classic Aztec Mayan fashion but at the same time this otherworldly um, technology was being used defensively as well and creating holograms that would uh, seemingly create um uh, uh, dead ends out of or, or create illusions into dead ends 
uh, trapping people. Uh, everything is like for the good old fashioned trapping people inside a hallway by locking the doors behind them, and it, it being made of material that wasn't accessible or penetrable by any of the current or available welding or or uh, blasting technology. No C four could sludge the door, and we were powerless as we could have to just, you know, move away from those people as they were, the room was filled with gas, or, you know, um, they were just uh, electrocuted from the floor panels. Uh, a lot of that was happening as well, a lot of electrocutions, uh, rigging up things like door handles or uh, the floor itself into electrocuting um, anyone who would cross it, um, and, and then having it no way to be turned off, you know, so making entire areas impassable. Um, the the Jaguar Warriors, as effective and as incredibly powerful as they were, uh, now in, in in this defensive element were effective to the ratio of about five to one, and that is a that is not a overestimate. That is a conservative estimate. Five to one kill ratios. Each one of these Jaguar Warriors, the Jaguar Warriors, on average were seven feet tall to eight feet tall. They uh, were proportional in their height, so don't think gigantism, think proportional. And they were not low-tech. Most did not, at this point, rely on the um, stealth element of this this whole aspect, but rather a shock and awe element. And as previously stated in Part 1, their weapons are a type of automatic weapon that slices molecule-thin pieces of obsidian and shoots them electronically at the target. And it's this uh, machine gun type uh, type uh, appearing thing, like an SMG. So it's small, but it fits around their hand. So it's as easy as for them to just simply, as we previously stated with the minigun attached to my arm, it's the same analogous technology where it's like a gauntlet for them. And it actually is designed like a jaguar's claw. And where the nails are, like the claws are, those are the slots where the obsidian is shot out of. It's a completely silent fire mechanism. And they are sharp enough to go through any material, any fabric, uh, Kevlar. Uh, the only thing that can stop them is sufficiently uh, dense material like straight metal, ceramic, or uh, incredibly hard plastic. And even then, it's it's still sufficient to ga- gouge into it and to, um, you know, absolutely uh, pierce things like uh, visors or... Uh, you know, it, it's it's fired at an incredible force, even though it's not fired with uh, gunpowder, but electrical um, discharge. It's also fired at an incredible rate, and within the confines of the interior of the Pyramid of the Sun, as well as their close firefighting, you know, uh, uh, doctrine, as it appeared in the jungle elements of it, uh, incredible, incredibly devastating a weapon. Stay for... Uh, I personally witnessed uh, a, a uh, element of these Jaguar Warriors, a hunting party of theirs, uh, and defensively uh, ambush a patrol of uh, Venezuelan mercenaries. And when they began to 
take casualties, it was so silent that the Venezuelan point man didn't realize that a third of the platoon had actually been already killed. By the time the, 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 the point man was able to realize that the rearward element was taking fire. That's how silent and this is how deadly these, these obsidian blades are. If they hit any exposed skin, any skull, neck, you know, torso, any, any, any vital area, any artery, uh, they could sever limbs within one spray, sever your spine, uh, decapitate you. Uh, lodge into your he's like lodge into your skull uh, they they are absolutely weapons of war and they um, are silent which is this added bonus of theirs the jaguar warriors are not this incredibly uh, over the top uh, uh, demonstrative uh, 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 amateurish force they are uh, is it at, at some point inc- proportionally exactly like five to one, the equality of five men to one of theirs. The uh, defensive measures were made that much more impossible. Luckily, the elements at hand were made more uh, negotiable. Due to the fact that yes, it was a, uh, a seemingly uh, ill-prepared Aztec counterattack force that seemed to be uh, very um, very undermanned element, maybe maybe completely taken by surprise, and just a skeletal defense force. Uh, serving as a barracks for this one seemingly long stretch of of territory. And so, um, as efficiently as they fought, the Aztec uh, Mayans were uh, defeated. The the pyramids were taken uh, one by one. Uh, Like I said before, each one costing more men and costing uh, more material with each attempt of ours varying but being specific to the spe- the environment of each pyramid that was recovered from mountainous territory to uh, dense swampland to uh, you know dense forest and canopy forest these are uh, different elements in which we met the, the armored vehicles as previously mentioned different versions of their ambushes, their automatic weaponry, uh, heavy batteries, with the uh, battle in the canopy forest being the most costly of human life, given the more advanced equipment that was demonstrated there. Um, As we previously said before, the gliders that they use being uh, incredible uh, platforms in the... um, the dense canopies in the jungles, as well as the scouts that, that I previously mentioned in the first uh, uh, episode, which that are small stone, and they fire lasers that basically melt people. Uh, that is uh, incredible uh, uh, technology to deploy in a canopy forest. 
and and a lot of the locals and the mercenaries that we were sending specifically because they were expendable at this point uh, being reinforced and what <laughs> and the air battle taking uh, taking taking the hour and the attempts at peacefully securing the uh, the area uh, proving to be irrelevant at this point reinforcements from the surface were being rallied and sent at an expedient rate and this uh, event is now several days into its progress that being said nearly 10,000 to 15,000 uh, locals uh, I mean locals by the, the surface world terms the Venezuelans, South Americans, Brazilians Colombians uh, Bolivians, Guyanese they are being sent uh specifically with orders you know um, their 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 equipment is being uh, uh provided to them by the United States of America specifically with these you know school of america's connections with these orders of um of of above top secrecy basically their delta teams their their green berets are the ones being mobilized and sent uh Okay, so this is 2009, so the Chavez troops in um, socialist Venezuela are being told they're going down to um, suppress uh, pro-Colombian or Colombian-backed rebels. The Colombians are being told they're going to stop the Chavez-sponsored uh, troops, uh, the Venezuelan troops. The Brazilians are told they're going to uh, stop Venezuelan-backed um, uh, you know, separatists, um, in the, in the Amazon River, they're all being told different orders, right? And so they're actually starting to require a lot more, though, of the um, real troops of these different countries. All of them are being siphoned and funneled into the Amazon jungle um, around 2009, 2010. This is providing the manpower of these uh, attempts at reclaiming these pyramids. At this point, like several days into it, it's clear these are going to be major operations. And at that point, the uh, Earth Alliance Solar Warden fleet is withdrawn from this pursuit, and it becomes officially a uh, Atlantis Rising Frontier Range uh, matter. This is where my involvement in this particular conflict uh, ceases away from this air support element slash smoke jumper um, uh, cross experience. The the air battle that took out three of these uh, responding pyramids of the sun and then the subsequent recovery of these technologies. Um, there are other experiences that I am currently recovering and remembering um, between... 2009 and 2016 where I would then you know ascend up the ranks basically uh, assuming new duties almost yearly and um, moving away through injury away from the actual uh, smoke jumper on the ground um, role the the experience though is very powerful, even though it might have been only for uh, a year and a half, even from what I'm recovering now, um, due to that injury, and then due to um, 
the the focus on other roles or other important um, positions, you know, and pursuits within that Hollow Earth Frontier Range um, campaign. That of, um, you know, of a more aviation and and um, guess you would call it. Um, research and development pathway of, uh, of, of my own personal journey into this but the narration of the intelligence of, of what I ha- can gather from the Mayan Aztec also focuses on their civilian life and their social structure unfortunately because like I said, this was, you know, after promotion to uh, being a chief in the um, rank structure and the smoke jumpers during this Hollow Earth experience, that uh, retaliation was already in full swing. And um, many of the, from the Mayan Aztec to us, that many of the Hollow Earth expeditions, many of the ICC mining colonies, for example, Many of the scientific uh, expeditions were being attacked, raided uh, by uh, Mayan Aztec forces uh, and raided effectively, which is a very cold way of saying that uh, hundreds of civilians who are part of these breakaway civilizations were... uh, taken as prisoner were uh, you know interrogated were tortured and then sacrificed ritualistically um, in various ways sometimes the uh, situation would be broadcast uh, to Earth Alliance and Solar Warden forces this is how we know this for a fact and this is how why I know this for a fact is because the broadcasts were, uh, you know, basically forced onto the Earth Alliance's doctrination efforts to uh, radicalize us against the Maya Aztec because after the raids, equal attacks were participated on or or, or were done by the Earth Alliance with the Solar Warden in which I participated in. And... One such raid was against a civilian population of Maya Aztec. We were told in the briefings of it that it was going to be a bombing run or a raid run uh, from the nuclear-powered aircraft squadron uh, against a enemy barracks and, uh, you know, manufacturing uh, target. A militarized target, though. What it was, was the civilian proximity to a city that the Maya Aztec have. They have cities. They, They live in urban environments. And in theirs, they had carved... Uh, a 200,000 people large city into the side of a mountain 
They had carved it into the cliff faces and into the stone. It looked like the Puebloidians um, of the American Southwest. It looked like what you would see in a National Geographic with the housing uh, built into the rock itself and attached with ladders and lattices and, and like walkways and stairways, etc., and elevators. Um, it looked modern. It looked like from the elevation that we were the altitude of, like a, a an American city or like any city, but the the uniqueness of it being built into this mountain range. And I remember seeing the the view from a high altitude. And I don't know if you've ever flown over the mountains and you see this beautiful painted rock structure. That's the mountains from a from you know bird's eye view down, and you see how the clouds wrap around the peaks, and you see how there's snow covered uh, regions, and you see how it's just this like amazing and gorgeous element, and then you see the 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 cities and the lights from the rocks itself, as if though the mountain itself is glowing and alive. And then just seeing the, the fire, the bombs, the napalm just, just spreading through that. And then just the several passes back and forth of, uh, you know, different cluster munitions, uh, blockbuster, uh, blockbuster uh, uh, Moab, uh, uh, you know, large type uh, purposefully like shockwave anti-mountainous anti-bunker type bombs you know everything from Excalibur uh, missiles that were dropped down highly penetrated missiles uh, the the just just absolute pulverization of this area with you know everything from from mass railgun um, firing because the anti-aircraft weapons uh the, the nuclear-powered aircraft carrier has these, like, AC-130 gunship uh, gun embankments on the on the, the the rear and aft of it, and that it can actually act as, like, a, a, a supplement or a force multiplier to any of these bombing raids as well as defense. Um, but, yeah, that, that was absolutely uh, a memory I'm recovering from it, and it was this... Uh, reminiscent of World War II Japanese uh, bombings, reminiscent of a Dresden uh, firebombing campaign that that occurred immediately after this situation, immediately after the raids, and it was uh, done by our squadron. It was done by the 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 aircraft I was personally stationed to and serving on. It was done by my squadron. It was done by my people, my tribe, and it was done by uh, the Earth Alliance, and it was done by Solar Warden, and it was done by um, the United States Navy because they had built and and armed it and manned it and, and, and you know created these nuclear powered aircraft carriers. It was done by the United States Air Force. It was done by the Pentagon. It was done by. Uh, the Breakaway Civilization, it was done by the Illuminati, it was done by uh, Tiapotl, it was done by God. And 
as a smoke jumper, which basically allows the it's it's the squadron that works on the aircraft carrier, which does not actually land. It does not need to. It can fly in, in formation and and these figure eight patterns and hold indefinitely for twenty five years. It can fly, so it's it's not and it's anti gravity powered, so it doesn't have any density. It can hover, we tell. So they they have to have squadrons that can ferry back and forth in, from the ground into the aircraft carrier itself. Um, I explained this in the the first episode for those who are questioning what uh, smoke jumping is. That is the the squadron and the the the, the platoon of uh, specialists that can travel back and forth from the ground um, and the aircraft carrier. Uh, for any operations, uh, specifically though, to uh, be self-sustaining and in, in, in independent kind of ranger element, um, gathering intelligence and or uh, providing security on the ground, but it's linked by uh, by you know radio and and um, and operation specialists and oversight officer oversight from the aircraft carrier looking down they have the bird's eye view they have the intel they have the radar scan it's it's a conjunction to relationship sending it down though being sent down um sending the smoke jumpers down to survey the damage and to gather intel after the bombing raid um the smoke jumpers which i was a part of were sent down and witnessed uh you know took the first photos of the the ruined and and raised city, the the shattered and collapsed, um, caved in um, structures that were once homes and houses and apartments and um, had families and children, and and now were the grave sites and, and tombs of hundreds of thousands of people the the children who were scorched and burned and looked like uh, melted dolls uh, the the babies that were swollen and fat with decay and, 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 and their faces like little horrified screaming masks um, families that had been burned and melted together and, and at, they were just ash and bone and uh, people who had been caught in their vehicles trying to flee and they were just these ghoulish skeletal uh, mockeries of like the living people and eyeless skull sockets but you know still gripping the steering wheel and each one of them just you could tell was, was screaming at the end of it and Literally everything was burnt. There wasn't one unburnt in that entire city. I remember just how quiet it was, except for the falling of ash that was caught up in the drafts of thermal, like, there's a thermal drafts, and things were still smoking and and smoldering, and it smelt fucking terrible. 
you could smell it through the rebreathers. having to use water to wipe off the visor every 10 to 15 minutes because it was just a soot, smoky soot of, of this combined like 9-11 level like ash where everything is just covered in it and this is white like powder of like crushed rock and like burned uh, wood and and plastic and you know fabric and paper and whatever the hell was in this area, you know, like people, pets. It's just terrible, and it was like this this god awful fucking apocalypse scene, and it was something that I had known, I had seen before, being a part of this whole aviation warfare community and, and breakaway civilization you've seen the the video of the victims of bombs and raids and napalm and anthrax everything you, you just this was something else because it was people and they look so modern and that's the thing it was like they look so modern I was expecting savages I was expecting it the very much like you know like like people who were like these bloodthirsty, you know, Aztec um, people. I don't know, maybe, like, the idea of them having sharp teeth. <laughs> oh, you know, like, as I say, if you see Apocalypto, that's complete propaganda, because it makes you want to hate them. And as I said, they all look like monsters, and they're all, like, like I want expected, and I just think I desired to see that if... if because it wasn't a surprise, you know, you're coming into the situation, you always saw it happen, that they, that they were murdered, that they were killed. What makes it terrible is the after effect when you realize who exactly and what exactly happened, and you're like, oh, that was... That's completely... Um, that's completely something different. That's, that's something that, that makes it... very different and I think for a long time I just didn't want to remember it but I always kind of did but after we got enough video footage and enough confirmation that certain geographical points and targets were, were you know absolutely Absolutely, um, and then it was more of a propaganda effort at that point, just to collect the the still smoldering ashes of the fucking uh, temple, you know, and then and then collect it for analysis, and then um, you know, actually entering into the noble, uh, the, what was assumed to be the noble's residential palace. You know, his, his little presidential palace and then his estate and, and seeing it completely charred and, and ashen and blacked out and him on his uh, bed, his little his, his king bed, just this blacked, um, 
burnt, crisp, cinerated, cremated. Not even his teeth were, were, were spared at that point. And further indoctrination again for Solar Warden on its own, but there's a sick sense of pride. Teopotle. Teopotle. Their society is uh, one of war, we were told. We were told a lot about their legends and their myths. Um, a lot that we're told is, like I said before, propaganda to make us hate them and to make us uh, think that they are this one extremely bloodthirsty society, which they are and, and compared to us, but we are a very enslaved and weak society compared to them. Um... So, time will tell. Their, their, uh, organizational estate structure is incredible. They, they belong to specific houses of warriors, um, Jaguar warrior, eagle warrior, uh, that's traditional and ancestral. Much like we have Air Force, Army, Marines, Navy, they have these different temples and these different houses that they belong to and that they can either join, just like we can professionally or in times of war, or uh, yeah, be lifers and pursue it um, personally. That isn't the limit, the Eagle and Jaguar. The... Uh, the diversity is incredible, and they serve this kind of caste system um, where each specializes in a, in a separate thing. Um, it's exactly like the, the, the modern world in its different respects because no longer is it this... Uh, purely physical, like, preoccupation of, of battle like they want you to believe it is, but imagine if it's evolved into this bureaucracy of things where it's like the, uh, the Temple of the Hummingbird, for example, they are actually the, the Secretary of State and War, uh, like the DOD or the Homeland Security in America, and they're, they're the Temple of the Hummingbird, <laughs> and they're, they, um... You know, wear blue-colored clothing, and um, they no longer, you know, ritualistically pierce or tattoo themselves or anything. But they, uh, or when they do, it's it's not it's not uh, a taboo, nor is it particularly even um, acknowledged. It's just like a regular thing in society to have uh, tattoos and piercings, much like it is in our society. And if you really break it down. Um, they just have evolved to a point where that is both a sign of their wealth and also just not necessary for any kind of distinguishment because it's been generational. Um, and 
it's it's their society is actually really beautiful and it's really um, based on color and vibrancy and like I said the spirit of flowering your inner soul and and filling your life with song whereas uh, Solar Warden is very much um, discipline and and like an ascetic. Uh, sense of zen and detachment and almost like a monkish uh, discipline and existence like a a specific uh, contrast between the non-dualism of the Aztecs and the and the uh, hard zen materialism the the eco-fascism of the uh, Solar Warden and then Earth Alliance and Atlantis Rising. And in many ways, the Astra High Command. And in many ways, that's, that's specifically why there's conflict and specifically why there's not going to probably be a sustained peace between the two tribes unless the, Az- the Aztecs at this point have conceded that after... 10 years of bombing raids and attacks and skirmishes and, and um, you know um, blockades sieges invasions uh, different campaigns across the glo- uh, greater earth uh, that Solar Warden is Invincible or or undefeatable with the extraterrestrial assistance that we're receiving, and has already conceded defeat to preserve their civilians to preserve their way of life. But that way of life would not be easily integrated, nor easily or welcomed or or um, compatible with the current breakaway civilizations of our current Illuminati, of our current AI-controlled systems. Um, Nor would their society be welcoming of our uh, indoctrinations, of our beliefs, and of our practices. This was why there was such an immediate and and, uh, long-term, 70-plus year hostility between the Mayan Aztec and the... uh, Solar Warden Earth Alliance. This is why there probably will be future conflicts, future hostilities between the Mayan Aztec and the Earth Alliance, the Solar Warden. Now, the peace may be a, a Pax Ashtar a peace, you know, Ashtar High Command created and is forced on the Blue Sphere Alliance. But from a human perspective, and this is very rare from the beyond top secret Texan, and generally I'm a complete supporter and very loyal to the Ashtar High Command. But from a human perspective, it does seem wrong to be forced into a peace that your heart doesn't believe in 
through force. Even though the intentions may be very good and divine and noble, the truth still remains that it is a forced peace and that it's against the will of a human being on a on a metaphysical level on a very high level abstract level that is something i can agree that the maya aztec have reason to reject and to um, to seek independence and to seek um, exclusion from cooperation and from participation as um, you know, members of the Earth Alliance, members of the Blue Sphere Alliance, members of the the Solar Warden and Breakaway Civilization, the ICC, etc. I can see why they'd reject wanting to work with the ICC. I can see why they'd reject wanting to work with the Atlantis Rising uh, po- uh, politicians and the Illuminati because of their rejection of their new world order, the rejection of this new world order, the rejection of a world order that they didn't create, that they have no power in, that was forced upon not only them, but the entire world by the Astra High Command, when the Astra High Command assumed control of our world and defeated the Orion Draco. See how it's very much like, symbolically... And importantly, the Aztec and the Maya, uh, they, they have retreated into the subterranean hollow earth where they can be the masters of this domain, literally hidden away from the access of these extraterrestrials. And really, the extraterrestrials are the reason why they retreated. Because the extraterrestrials, in the form of the Astra High Command, are the reason, are the the invaders in their perspective, are the invaders in their eyes, that the gods are um, not no longer in the the creating element of the universe of the world. Um, even though they, they they have agreed and participated diplomatically on the Astral Realm and currently in the Artemis Treaty with the Astro High Command, with the Earth Alliance, with the Blue Sphere Alliance, that historically, this is the reason, that historically they have fled. Historically, they, they took up um, their empire in the Hollow Earth subterranean realms. Um, that's a very, very, um, you know, controversial... Uh, point to make, especially since, you know, I am traditionally entirely for the Astra High Command and their ultimate golden path for uh, Earth ascendancy as well as their extraterrestrial exopolitical vision for the uh, human race, which is currently being played out, etc. The the experience record of my own life and my own existence can attest to that. This is not in this timeline, the freedom to question, the freedom of establishing free will, etc., is uh, uh, my natural right as a natural living man. 
regardless of the eras and the existences I've already put forward to prove a certainty. So, that's how heavy the indoctrination is as I just caught myself. And upon listening back to it, you know, I, I'll realize even further in the future maybe a very profound truth which I'm on the verge of realizing now of the, the trauma indoctrination of Solar Warden as enforced and encouraged by Eddie Ashtar High Command. Maybe this is all caused by the Ashtar High Command. Maybe the Ashtar High Command are evil. I definitely encourage and hope for a peace. I hope for a peaceful future between the Maya Aztec and the Earth Alliance and all peoples no longer need to engage in ceaseless hostility and massacre. They no longer have to be at each other's throats and requiring each other's blood. The universe doesn't need that to regenerate. The humanity doesn't need that to regenerate. Humanity needs to heal. And, like, begin to harvest a good, a good fruit from a good seed and not a bitter root. It's been fertilized in blood. been the Beyond Top Secret Texan. You're listening to the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast. Thank you all very, very much, each and every one of you. Thank you for hearing me recount my memories and to channel those. It is very therapeutic for me. It is very beneficial. Thank you very much, and I hope and I encourage you to explore this subject further. I hope to encourage and to, uh, and to promote a investigation in your own, your own uh, futures into channeling and into the reality of these exopolitical uh, truths and memories and um, everything from alien abduction, hypnosis, uh, to um, past life regression. And, and I hope everyone would take a keen interest into the validity of remote viewing, out-of-body experiences, as well as astral projection. Um, these concepts and theories have been proven by the CIA. These concepts have been uh, utilized by many different uh, researchers and academics um, throughout the years and have... Uh, solid evidence and foundations in them uh, as being realities. So definitely, um, if you are curious as to the methodology that I pursue in recovering memories from the Akashic Records, recovering memories from my own past life, if you're curious about it because of your own personal experiences, definitely uh, encourage you guys to look at those up. They are incredibly beneficial as if they, they've been benefiting uh, myself personally. So I highly, highly recommend 
um, researching uh, memory recovery, uh, meditation uh, practices for tapping into the Akashic Records, as well as um, watching in de uh, different demonstrators, different channelers, different uh, uh, speakers and communicators with the exopolitical um, side of this world. So thank you all very much. Once again, highly, highly recommend my social media, Instagram.com slash Beyond Top Secret Texan or at Beyond Top Secret Texan on Instagram. Then you have TikTok at Beyond Top Secret Texan posting video evidence there, posting uh, video evidence as well as having an archive of over 400 videos on YouTube. That's YouTube.com slash Beyond Top Secret Texan as well as a alternative video archive on odyssey.com slash library if you are a mobile user, um, the library app, uh, but odyssey.com, great crypto-based producer or co of content-friendly, um, independent creator-friendly, uh, independent platform that is uncensored. So check out um, odyssey.com. That's O-D-Y-S-E-E, -E, so like odyssey.com. And definitely uh, check out the channel Beyond Top Secret Texan over there. Would highly, highly appreciate your support on that one. Would love to see that grow as an alternative to YouTube. Um, these are going to be highly censored times, so definitely, definitely check it out while you can. Um, and, and see it before it is taken down kind of thing. So thank you all very, very much. Um, if you would like to support for as little as a dollar on Patreon, patreon.com slash beyond top secret Texan for as little as a dollar, you can get access to exclusive video evidence from the dark web, uh, exclusive content, uh, videos produced as well as support this incredible Patreon, uh, podcast, which is free and is completely funded and supported by followers and listeners such as yourself. For only $1 a month, you can support citizen journalism, independent content creation, as well as my efforts into increasing the production levels and, uh, and platforms, like uh, making documentaries, making uh, an interactive video game type experience, for this type of content that I am uh, uniquely providing to each and every one of you, as well as I research and investigate full-time into exopolitics, into the secret space program, my labs, extraterrestrial and UFO phenomenon, cryptozoology, the occult, Gnostic uh, pursued spirituality, etc., and provide easy-to-access, one-stop shopping, uh, free content generally that you can't find anywhere else accessible on my Telegram group and uh, on my Patreon uh, links and everything. And all of that's easily, easily available. One place for a dollar, one dollar, uh, patreon.com. And uh, those efforts are supported and funded solely by you the greatest audience out there in Dreamland. And so for only $1 a month, you too can help keep the dream alive and to provide uh, thousands of people across the world easy access to the best UFO evidence, the best uh, 
conspiracy theory evidence, the best dark web disclosure, the best uh, occult and Gnostic material from PDF format books to uh, exclusive rare audio uh, links to um, my own special guest interviews and testimonies as well as uh, very rare and, and hard to find um, you know, uh, multimedia experiences, uh, so from across the genres of, of literature to videos. And, um, you know, I'd hope to keep this project alive. We're already going on to two years, two years running, uh, one year of the podcast, two years of the, uh, YouTube channel slash, you know, complete experience of, of independent content creation when it comes to conspiracies, UFOs, etc. And it, it's been an incredible journey and it's only been possible because of um, each and every one of you who do contribute to the Patreon. I will be giving another Patreon roll call video very soon for October. Thank you all very much. Um, you know, absolutely appreciate every single one of your donations. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, um, you know, thank you Thank you all out there for those who support me by liking and sharing and, and following on as many accounts as possible. That really helps out my impression with Google. That really helps out my impression with the search algorithms and really helps me um, feel motivated to move on to the future. So even if you just choose to support me that way by liking my videos on YouTube, by subscribing to my different uh, social medias, etc., uh, sharing, interacting, you know, it all helps. Everything helps, uh, you know, encourage me and motivate me to continue to improve and deliver uh, content that you guys, uh, you know, really, really uh, enjoy. And it lets me know, exactly guides me. It lets me know um, what you want to hear, et cetera. So it's a very interactive process. It's a very democratic process. It's very awesome. So thank you all very much. Exactly. And and God bless you and your families. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. Been the Beyond Top Secret Texan. You've been listening to the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast about the Maya Aztec, Hollow Earth, uh, incursions, conflicts, and cultures um, that we've encountered, as well as my personal experiences channeling those memories. Thank you very much. <laughs>